Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Okay. So uh, today I want to talk about the word faith in Buddhism. And when um, sometimes when a speaker mentions the word faith in Buddhism, there's unpleasant feeling in the room, feeling tone, as we would say, unpleasant Vedana. As many of us um, have some memory with faith experience that has led to some uh, difficulties, some contraction, and, and some um, unpleasant experience. So I want to explore that a little. And um, I remember reading a, um, a a memoir or a novel. I can't remember if it was a novel or a memoir where the writer uh, talks about being a little girl in um, a religious school. And in a religious class, she had heard a Bible story. And she was having difficulty with the Bible story, so she raised her hand and she said to the teacher, um, I'm having trouble believing what you just said. <laughs> just having trouble. And the teacher said, my dear, you must receive this teaching with the mind of a child. And she said, but I'm already a child. <laughs> and the teacher said, my dear, you must receive this teaching with the mind of a younger child. <laughs> so many of us have had... Um, this experience of faith as a teaching that's authoritarian, authoritative outside of ourself. This is a universal thing that happens. Um, we're preached to and taught to believe blindly. And um, very often, for some of us, we're excluded in faith. And the feeling of being left out, excluded, or oppressed has been an experience globally. So a lot of wounding there. I know um, my early experiences with faith, women weren't allowed to participate in certain ways, and it was quite wounding. But in Buddhism, um, we talk about a different kind of faith. There's the blind faith, where you're asked to believe in something blindly, a truth outside of yourself that isn't experienced. And even in Buddhism, there's blind, you see blind faith, right? And blind faith only works for so long. It just works for so long. It's not really sustainable. Um, and for those of us who have been in the Buddhist path for a number of years, you see um, when groups of practitioners place their faith in one teacher. And they, they believe in that teacher blindly. They're like obedient to that teacher. They don't question. And then the teacher falls. And a lot of people fall with the teacher. And the ones who stay in the practice are the practitioners who have their faith in their practice, <clears throat> their experience and not completely in an authoritative figure. I remember Sensei Ryoto talking about that very beautifully 
there was a period at the um, L.A. Zen Center where this wonderful, amazing teacher, this famous teacher, just, um, there was a scandal, and the whole center kind of collapsed here in L.A., and um, he just kept on, and he persevered, and he was here speaking in Long Beach, and um, one of the students asked him, what kept you going through that major falling apart of the center? And he said, I had faith in my practice. I knew my practice worked, and I never deviated. It was the internal experience of practice that kept me going. It wasn't so important, the teacher. It was my own sense of my own practice. So, um, so we're not talking about a blind faith in our practice at all. And uh, the definition of faith. The Pali word for faith is sada. And I'm really speaking from a couple of um, wonderful contemporary teachers, so I want to give them some credit. Marcia Rose and Gil, Gil Fransdale and Philip Moffat. And, and I'm going to talk about some of their teachings and infuse it with some of my own observations. So, in Buddhism, faith is not a noun, it's a verb. And it refers to a faculty or a capacity that we develop through our practice. It's also uh, defined as trust, confidence, strength, clarity, devotion. So it contains all of these elements. And um, we don't have faith, we, we're faithing through our practice. And a lot of it has to do with um, placing our heart and connecting our heart in our practice. And both in Buddhism and in Hebrew, the, I hear the word faith means to place your heart upon, right? to place it upon so that your practice falls in through your own experience. So what we're cultivating is this wholesome, beautiful mental factor that bring, and with the other factors of effort, energy, concentration, mindfulness, we get something called a, or we, we work to something called a verified faith, which is much more sustaining than a blind faith. Um, so I want to talk about that. And I, I have one more thing to say about blind faith. Off script. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Those things just pop up. So what I notice in my 30, 40 years of a, being a seeker is very often I, what I see practitioners do, it's so interesting, is they don't see their beautiful qualities they're not in touch with it. Strength, resilience, calm, ease, wisdom, intuitive nature, capacity for practice. They're like almost not feeling it inside. And so teachers come up. This was so true in the 60s, 70s, even 80s, right? And teachers would come from India or Tibet or somewhere. And um, the student would almost 
take the qualities that they don't see in themselves and project it onto that person and say, oh, they're wonderful. They're going to liberate me. They have the magic. I think I did that too with the guru. Um, and, and that works for a bit of time. It works for a while, but it doesn't work completely. So a lot of times we externalize our own capacity outside of us onto someone else. Did you get that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so the, the faith that we're really cultivating in Buddhism is not about what's going on outside of us or what we can get outside of us. And in our culture, we put our faith in a lot of things outside of us. Money, a title, job, relationships. We put our faith out there. But it's really the faith we're pointing to is the practice within, the relationship within, awareness within, mindfulness within. Right? These states of calm and ease that come from within, the sense of being that has presence, fulfillment, joy, wisdom, all from within. Someone was telling me the other day her story, and I could identify so much. She had this idea that um, if, if she worked out every day and she ate this um, certain diet and she would get this beautiful body and then her life would be so good because she'd walk around with this beautiful body and a beautiful body is really valued in our culture. And she did it. She did it. She was very successful getting her regimen together, which is healthy. It's, it's a good thing. And she got the body she dreamed of. And the dream crashed. The dream died because inside was so empty. You know, the outside, she got it, and the inside was still suffering and tense and tight and wanting and craving. You know, all those things we talk about in our practice that get in the way of present moment awareness. Those didn't go. So she put her faith in a beautiful image, and the image did not hold up for her. And I'm sure you all have a story about what you put your faith in that didn't work. (laughs) And that's part of the path, too, right? That's how we learn. Uh, So I want to talk about verified faith on the path. And this is the confidence born out of experience, practice, and wisdom through your own practice, through your own coming, sitting, hearing the teachings, being in sangha together, practicing daily. And what we're cultivating is clear observation, investigation, reflection, and um, this clarity over the states of body, mind, and heart. And as we do that, we're increasing our capacity and potential, and we're strengthening our faith, our faith in the practice and our capacity to practice. So without this concept of faith, sada, it's hard to engage in practice, keep your energy, and um, keep your sustenance for it, especially when it's not going so well. So um, if you put your heart in something, it's easier to follow through. So we're cultivating this wholehearted 
practice that's inspired. And um, what we're cultivating is this innate trust, this inner radiance and well-being, this capacity for presence. And uh, we talked about this yesterday at the Montecito Center that um, very often we're putting all our energy in our looking out. This is pleasant. This is unpleasant. This is so-so. I like this. I don't like this. I want more of this. I want less of that. And we're not putting so much energy into what is looking, the awareness that's holding these experiences. And when we begin to do that through mindfulness, we're pausing and we're stepping back and we're letting things be. We're settling down and calming down and kind of going within, right? Um, we begin to see the value of looking at what's looking, right? The part that's aware of what's happening. We begin to see that we shapeshift and change and new and different things come out of our experience. We're not so reactive. And when we're not so reactive, our relationships change. Uh, we change. Our responses change. We're more skillful. We have more wisdom. So this trust develops. Um, and um, what it leads to is possibly this thing we call unshakable faith another level of faith. And here is where we um, begin to touch into this vast potential that's available through our practice that really um, leads us to the mystery of experience, the unknown and not controllable. And we're getting out of the habitual self, the self that we've created, and the places where we get stuck that starts to really break open and fall away. And for that, we need even more faith when we get to that completely unknowable place. So, so for that, we need the sada. We need confidence and we need faith. And here's where I find the whole mindfulness craze that we're in so interesting, right? Because mindfulness will take you to the place of the ledge, that unknown place where you kind of got to tip over a little. And uh, you have to let go of who you think you are. And the faith has to be there that if I go over the ledge and I tip over a little, I let go of a self-concept of who I think I am, that it will be okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I won't disintegrate. I won't fall apart. Uh, something will be there to sustain me. So um, we want to cultivate the confidence. And for some of us, we want to cultivate it in small pieces little meditations, small experiences, um, making small commitments to um, mindfulness practice, the pausing, stopping, looking, getting out of reactivity, right? Just noticing the impermanence of things or really seeing suffering in a different way. And for others, um, we're just going to jump in.
two feet wholeheartedly and go for it. So Philip Moffat uh, tells an interesting story about faith. And he was um, teaching a one-month retreat in Barrie, I think. Um, sounds so wonderful, a one-month retreat right now. <laughs> and uh, the teachers who were teaching the retreat noticed this man um, who wasn't coming to the hall very often, and he wasn't coming to the interviews and the talks. And they actually saw him leaving the center a couple of times. And they were a little concerned about him. And so Philip went to um, talk to him. And he found out that the man actually had a very serious illness. And it was uncertain if he would live. And he came to the retreat because he had lost his faith in his practice. He had been a long-time practitioner and had a, gained quite a bit of um, benefit from his practice. And so he came for the 30-day sit to, to find that faith in his practice, find his center, and it wasn't happening. And he explained to Philip that he has recently had two hospitalizations. They were very tough, and no one knew if he would get through or survive. The first one, he had his own room, and there was a window that looked out into a garden. So every day he had the freedom to sit by the window, look at the trees and the birds and the shrub, and just bring the nature into him and use this to anchor his practice. And all his family and friends were amazed, and he was amazed at the strength he had through his treatment, which was difficult, and his illness how the mindfulness anchored him and got him through and gave him this serenity and this ease. Second time he was hospitalized, he was put in a room with another person who played the TV all the time loud, you know, and the commercials and everything, and he couldn't sit, he couldn't meditate, and he couldn't anchor himself in his practice. And um, the... Um, Friends and family, they were saying, well, the first time you were meditating, you were so serene and calm. Why can't you do it now? Right? And so he began to feel this doubt. Why can't I do it? What's wrong with me? My practice isn't there for me. And um, he got kind of shaken up that he couldn't use the practice in the same way. And so he and Philip were working on the doubt that arose. So doubt is a hindrance um, in our practice, and there are five hindrances. You've all heard me talk about the hindrances a lot, and doubt is the last one. And doubt is the hardest one, because when doubt gets a hold of you, your practice totally gets in the way, right? You don't get here, you know, you, you fall asleep, and you're just like foggy, right? It just feeds all the other hindrances. And so doubt's a hard one to deal with. Doubt blocks that faith, the development of that faith. So they started to explore the role of doubt. And what, um, what they came to is that very often we identify with the causes and conditions of our practice. 
and causes and conditions come and go, even with a good practitioner. You know, you have a good sit, you have a bad sit, you like the teacher, you didn't like the teacher, the room was noisy, the room was quiet, it was cold, it was hot, my knee hurt so much I couldn't bear it, my body felt so good, and we identify. And so Philip was able to work with him on seeing that sometimes causes and conditions are right for great practice, deep practice, like his first hospitalization that really got him through, and sometimes they're not. But what remains outside of causes and conditions? Right? Awareness itself. Awareness itself. So our capacity to practice and who we are, how practice shows up, is very dependent upon many, 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 many things. But the faith that sustains it is that unshakable faith comes through the experience that if I hang in and stay with it long enough through all these hindrances, there is something called presence, present moment awareness, mindful capacity, in a calm, gentle, um, easy way that sustains me through the ups and downs, all the causes and conditions in my life, the difficulties. It's here for me. It nurtures me. There's something full. There's something alive. There's something nourishing and sustaining that cultivates wisdom and cultivates a wise action that's worth my practice, that's worth my time, that's worth my energy, and worth my investigation. And what I love about our practice is um, in some faith um, practices, there, there's just this, um, somebody gets up and really uh, is electrifying, fire and brimstone. You know, they're shouting in the audience, and they're so charismatic, and they promise everything, right? And uh, they fire up thousands of people, and they're big movements. And when I was younger and practicing, a new guru would come from India, and we'd all get excited. We'd run there, you know, and <laughs> bow down. Which, I, I like devotion, so I'm not against that at all. I really love devotion in every way. I, I love the bowing and the chanting and the incense. I mean, I'm happy with all that. Just, it warms up the heart, you know. Um, but this kind of practice in faith, it's quiet. It's subtle. It has ease. It's gentle. You can almost miss it. You know, it's it's very um, delicate. It's calm. So we're not cultivating some big magic. You know, we're cultivating this moment by moment present awareness that's very connected to heart and wisdom. And we begin to have faith in the cultivation. And all of you tell me such wonderful stories between sits of how mindfulness practice has changed you or changed your life or how you brought it to a situation or there was a surprise or something unknown. There was a mystery that got uncovered. Something new happened. That builds faith. And it's almost in these moments where we slip away, where things fall away. We develop this capacity, this faith, this 
curiosity, we, we fall into the mystery. We fall into it. And this, who we thought we are, it kind of just drops away. So, I remember having one experience like this, so many experiences, but uh, Anne reminded me of one we were talking about yesterday going skiing, which I actually, um, these old knees no longer give me permission for, but in younger days, um, I used to like going skiing, and Anne was talking about mindfulness and skiing, you know, um, how you get to a place on a mountain where you think you're not, you shouldn't be, <laughs> and that you need this mindfulness practice to navigate so you don't break your neck, right, you know. So I remember such a time skiing in Colorado, and I think this is where Anne was talking about, and, um, at the back of the mountain, there are these bulls. They're black diamond. They're for expert. And it's far away from everything, and you go down into a bowl. Now, if you're from Brooklyn, and you've lived in the city all your life, these nature expedition, expeditions, you know, um, they're, they're kind of new <laughs> and challenging. So remember, there was a storm warning um, one day in Colorado and there was a storm warning like be careful don't go too far watch the weather come down if the weather gets bad and um, I out of greed did not want to give up my expensive ticket so I went to the back of the mountain in the bowl you know because I had to get all the skiing in I could and um, the storm is coming in and um, people are leaving and I'm on the chairlift on the back of the mountain to get to the bowl, the base of the bowl where you could ski down. And then the chairlift stops. And this blizzard starts. This absolute amazing blizzard. And luckily I had good clothing on and there was a loudspeaker. We've had a power failure. Oh, <laughs> And there I am, all alone, in a blizzard, on the back of a mountain, up high in the sky, by myself. And really, I haven't left Brooklyn that much, you know, it's like, I don't really know what to do. And I just had to sit there, we didn't know when the power would come back on, right? Here we are, this is it. And uh, my mind was chattering away, like, oh no, oh my god, you know, like the mind was telling a story. Uh, about the situation, and then this presence, this beingness, just sitting. I mean, what were you going to do on the chairlift but sit, right? So, oh, you know, why don't you just sit, meditate um, here. It's comfortable. The clothes are warm. I had a ski mask, so I just started to meditate and sit and look at the blizzard. Just be with the blizzard. Watch the blizzard. Notice the blizzard. Look at this magnificent sky and landscape that's empty and free and beautiful and vast and wild and amazing and so full, full of energy, 
and grace and beauty. It was just powerful. And we were up on the chairlift for about an hour, and it was a great meditation. It was beautiful. Uh, it was wonderful. It was one of the best memories I've ever had of just being able to be in the middle of nature, free and unencumbered, up in the sky of everything. And mindfulness is a lot like that. It's a lot like that. It's filled with mystery. It brings you to places where your self-concept, your limitation, your idea of who you are in life potentially drops away into the present moment. And something else emerges, something new, something unknown. So this is part of faith. Allowing for something new and unknown in our conscious awareness. You know, allowing for a, a birthing of something, like the seed. The seed becomes a tree, a plant, a flower, and the seeds of mindfulness are in you. Let them flower. And we let them flower with faith in our practice. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.